You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's broadcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. rockauto.com, great prices, easy to navigate site. Remember when you go there to say, locked on, locked on Indians, locked on MLB sent you. Uh, you'll notice a lack of energy in my voice. It is late where I am. It's 12.17 in the morning, which means you Cleveland Indians fans, it's 1.17 in the morning and the, a terrible game just ended. Uh, I had very little joy even when the Indians managed to get a lead late in the game. Because everything that could go wrong in this postseason did. It's just, uh, you know, Shane Bieber, the previous game, terribly. You have the rain delay that messes with Carrasco. He is rolling. And then, I mean, for those first, like, two and a third innings, everything's great. And then the wheels come off. And Karen Schock comes in. And I didn't love it. And I'll explain why I didn't love it. Uh, yes, he's your best reliever, and that was an extremely high-leverage situation. It was the right call to bring in James Karinchak. But James Karinchak, we've talked about kind of his foibles and personality, and I did not love bringing him in in that being his first postseason appearance. Uh, I, I could have, I mean, I predicted the Grand Slam before it happened in that one. Uh, that wasn't great. And then Phil Maton comes in and gets the Indians out of a jam, or Phil, not Mayton, uh, Phil, I can't say his name properly, uh, but you know what I'm talking about, I struggle with pronunciation, but then the just, the boneheaded maneuver of leaving him out for a second inning, he pitched the day before, it's not like this is a guy who was completely rested, he had pitched in back-to-back games, he gives up a run, they bring in Tristan McKenzie, uh, he gives up a deep home run, and but before that home run, uh, you look at the pitch track. I mean, the Indians are getting squeezed all night. This is part of my frustration watching this game. The Yankees and the Indians had different strike zones in this game. Uh, yes, the Indians ended up having how many? Let's see. This was a game where there were 19 walks, seven of them by the Indians, 12 by the Yankees. The Indians were a team who had some of the highest walk rates in baseball this year. It just drove me nuts. The zones did not were not equal in this game. I, I don't know how anyone could watch this game and feel like the zones, uh, what the Yankees pitchers got and what the Indians pitchers got, even remotely matched up. You know, diving into this, uh, McKenzie shouldn't have even, uh, as I recall, squeezed out with the first batter who ends up reaching base, shouldn't have been on base. Carrasco, uh, who gives up four runs. You look at that inning, first off, uh, the Shields with the horrible play in the outfield. We'll talk about, again, you know, it's it's crazy. I talked about it earlier in this year. I brought up the tweet during the game. The Cleveland Indians, in terms, since the year 2000, between international signings and the draft, their top five outfielders by war heading into this season, the guys they produced to produce the highest war who were just drafted or signed by the Indians as international free agents, Luke Scott uh, was far and away one. Then came Ryan Church. Bradley Zimmer is in there. Tyler Naquin is in there. And Ben Francisco. That's I mean, that's a terrible list. And that's the five guys. And remember, this is a team who spent like four or five uh, of their selections, like first round and or 
like their first pick in the draft on outfielders. And it just, you know, you look recently, I talked about the, was it the twins who have their own struggles, but they called up Alex Kirilov. Alex Kirilov was taken one pick after Will Benson. Kirilov did cost about 300000 more to sign. But one pick after Will Benson. Benson might have gotten to double A this year. There's no guarantee in a normal season with his contact problems. I mean, he's not a prospect. He's not going to... If he's added to the 40-man, I'm going to be annoyed. Because I don't see how there's any way you can justify it. Because he hasn't been good. Uh, he had a good half a season when he repeated a level that he was already kind of old for. And other than that, he just... the he has all the tools in the world. He has one of the best work ethics I had ever heard about. But the swing was a disaster from day one, and the Indians couldn't fix it. And they haven't fixed a swing in my recollection ever. Like, I can't recall someone who came to Cleveland and they figured out the hitting side of it. Pitching-wise, all the time. But it feels like, as another tweet I sent out during the game, it feels like some weird Faustian bargain where the Indians can fix pitchers but can't fix a hitter to save their lives. And I'm not going to crap on them about uh, Gio Urshela who you know had a big double play that hurt the Indians on top of a big hit uh, in that inning I mean but frankly uh, he was one of those guys where the Indians got squeezed he should have struck out uh, this is a game if the zones were equal the pitching zones the you know where the what was counted as a ball and a strike for both teams was the same the Indians might have won this game there was about two or three uh, runs given to the Yankees because of that, but at the same time, the Indians didn't take care of business. Um, Karen Chalk gave up, we talked about, you know, the Grand Slam, not not an auspicious debut. Tristan McKenzie comes out. They overused Phil Maiden. Nick Wetgren uh, ran into trouble, got himself out of it. Brad Hand hasn't blown a save all year. He comes out and promptly gives up two hits. I can't be right. Uh... Sorry, I'm like scrolling through. Two hits and a walk in this one. It's just three hits and a walk. Get Picks up the loss. His first blown save of the year. It's just, I mean, everything that could go wrong in this series did go wrong. Uh, Kyle Quantrell comes in, and him and Nick Wetgren are the only ones who don't, uh, don't give up a run. Uh, the bullpen, all the concerns we had all year came to a head in this series. For a team that was built around pitching, you can't win when you give up, uh, let's see, what was the final box score tonight? Was it 10 runs? Is that what I recall? Yeah, 10 runs today and 12 runs yesterday. 22 total runs in two games is pathetic, and even more pathetic when it's supposed to be your pitching that's going to carry you. Uh, Sandy Almar made some questionable maneuvers. Yes, the Luplo, Luplo, the decision to pinch it for Luplo when Josh Naylor is your best hitter uh, in this series. Now, again, it's only two games, so I'm not going to really go crazy about the fact that Naylor had been the best hitter. His last two at-bats, he hadn't looked all that great. He was getting a little too aggressive. But they pinch hit for him, and you know at that point in time when they're making that move that, okay, then the Yankees are going to go get... uh, They're going to switch. They're going to go get the opposite. Go get uh, Lazan... Go get the righty out there because Luplo... Uh, kills lefties and uh, they bring in the righty and luckily he hits a ball and Hicks is playing too far up and Luplo gets a hold of it and that is totally a uh, a luck thing more than you know nine times out of ten that's going to result in an out for the Cleveland Indians and they kept getting opportunities and then they just you know 
Lindor's double play, Carlos Santana's double play. They kept hitting themselves out of innings. Uh, how many fielding errors could they make? I mean, uh, the Shields, the Shields' fielding error is huge, and then he falls down again later in the game, uh, where they get two runs off that single. And I look up, and the Shields is on his backside, and. I know I've defended him throughout the year, but my goodness, it's like every game I felt like I watched on the stretch, he was either making a terrible decision, the wrong read, or unable to hit a cutoff man or just make a throw. Like, I have a terrible arm, and I felt like confidently I could outthrow to Shields. Uh, he's going to be on this team next year. There's no way they're letting him go. They leaned on him too much. He'll be in the last year of his contract. I mean, there might be a small chance because, again, he's going to be in the last year of arbitration. And he played a lot this year, and he was better than he's been in years past. And he's already making, I want to say, like $2 million in arbitration. So maybe there's a chance they decide he's not worth that. Uh, I'll be curious to see what they decide with Naquin. It's the same thing. He's getting up there in arbitration, and boy, did he not look good today and has not looked good basically the entire season. Uh, they have some decision to make. Like, the Indian season is done. And they have a lot of big decisions to make. This is a huge offseason for the Cleveland Indians for a couple of reasons. Uh, and we'll get into all of that in a moment here. But first, let's go back and talk about our sponsor again today, rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is the fantastically easy-to-navigate site that allows you to go and find the parts and pieces you need for your car. You can shop and compare. You can make sure that when you are getting a piece for your car, you're getting the best price. And the majority of the time, the best price on that piece is going to come from rockauto.com. They have one central site. It's a family-owned business. Instead of having a bunch of little stores, one central site allows them to keep their prices down and pass that savings on to you. So the next time you need a part for your car, go to rockauto.com. And remember to write in the little box, how'd you hear about us? Locked on. Locked on Indians, locked on MLB. Just make sure you write locked on in some form there so they know. I'm kind of debating if I should give this game any more time. Uh, let's at least, you know, kudos to Josh Naylor. He goes one for three, has uh, two RBIs, another big hit. And then, you know, one of the positive and enjoyable moments of the game was how excited he got for Luke Lowe's hit that he's taken out and he's still really just jumping up and down for his teammate, no pouting. You love to see that. Cesar Hernandez did have a bad play in the field, but came up with some big hits uh, in this one for the Indians. Jose Ramirez continued to play, perform well. Roberto Perez, a pair of hits for uh, all the issues with him this year. He came through. I don't know why you're going to Mercado in that situation late in the game. Uh, he is just, you're down a run. So let's go to the guy who struggled to make any contact this year. Like, go to Bradley Zimmer. At least Zimmer has power. Mercado doesn't really have much power. I know... Uh, he had that home run earlier in the year off of, I feel like, a big lefty reliever, and I felt like that's the whole reason they went there, even though it was very unlikely. And I can't remember which closer that was where Mercado had the hit late in the year, I'm blanking. But I feel like that is why he was there in that situation. Uh, then Austin Hedges, who's been dead on your bench for weeks and barely gotten any opportunities. Let's put him in there when the season's on the line. It just... Uh, again, it's like I like... Austin Hedges, I thought he should have been in there over, say, Sandy, uh, Sandy Leone. But, uh, again, I'd rather see Zimmer. At least there is the pop. We've seen some potential there. Go do something. Don't make the calls they made. Uh, but at the end of the day, it just comes down to you were a team built on your pitching, and the pitching was awful. So, uh, 
it's just a frustrating, frustrating, frustrating series. And, you know, th this was a tied for the most walks of any postseason game. And, again, that was because the Indians walked 12 Yankees batters. You, they, they beat themselves. I mean, the zone was, again, not balanced. But, man, they beat themselves in this one. And, as you can tell in my voice, I am so frustrated. Uh, I just, yeah. Let's talk about why it's a big offseason for the Cleveland Indians. So, when we look at just roster allocations of money, heading into 2021, they have a club option for Ritter Prez at $5.5 million. I think they will take that. Austin Hedges made $3 million last year. Uh, he is in his last two years of arbitration. He could make, he'll make more, almost, you almost never say the same. Uh, so he'll get a small increase, but he's also not a starter anymore, so it's not going to be a huge amount for him there. And... We'll see what happens with uh, Sandy Leon. Maybe they keep him. Maybe they offer him. I mean, he should get nothing more in a minor league contract. That that's it. Uh, first base, seventeen point five million owed to Carlos Santana. Zero percent chance that gets picked up. I he, I know. I thought he was gonna have a big game. That did not happen at all. Uh, he was doing so well coming into this uh, this series, and then he just he was terrible. Uh, maybe he comes back. I, I doubt it. I, because you have Josh Naylor again, who you went out and got, and he's all set and he's a first baseman by trade. That's a better position for him than outfield. Uh, having him there, I had someone be like, Oh, Bobby Bradley, uh, Bobby Bradley is a designated for assignment candidate. I don't think he is with this team, uh, next year. Uh, just because of some of the rostering they have to do. They have three big guys to roster. Uh, plus, you know, you have to move the players off the uh, the 40-man disabled list and the like. But I think you're probably setting up for Naylor to take over at first base. Uh, second base, uh, Mike Freeman probably gets taken off the roster because you know you can add him later. Cesar Hernandez is a free agent. I think he's going to get more than $6.25 million in free agency. Uh, he was a solid defender most of the season, again, Stroke had a few moments in the game there. Led the league in doubles. He has enough to get himself a contract somewhere. There's going to be teams looking for up-the-middle help, and I think Cesar Hernandez likely goes. Uh, Jose Ramirez makes 9.4 next year, and then teams' options at 12 and $14 million. Uh, Yeah, he'll be in Cleveland for a while. I think he's just he's set to play third. You know, we saw kind of in this game uh, multiple points where he – didn't move great at third and or didn't make the right decision moving him to second base uh i don't see that happening i just think that uh he is probably just entrenched at third base and that affects things further down the road francisco lindor i think is a like a less than one percent chance he is still on the roster he made 17.5 million he did not have a great year, but he didn't have a terrible year. He's still an above-average shortstop. He just wasn't the star he's been in years past. Uh, so we'll get into that, uh, his market and the overall shortstop market, which you know, this uh, uh, shortstop market was supposed to be just all glamour and everything else. Uh, Marcus Simeon, 2019 looks like the aberration. Everything else was a, a below league average bat, close to league average, but still below. Uh, he hits free agency. The Athletics are likely to give him the qualifying offer. He might accept, honestly. He might accept that if given that 
Andrelton Simmons will hit free agency, but uh, hasn't always been staying healthy, and he's getting up there in age. Uh, if you want a shortstop, Lindor is still the guy. Uh, DeShields, uh, last year of arbitration, making 1.8 this year. Naquin has two years left, 1.4. Lu- Luplo, Mercado are both still under the team control. Carrasco, he takes a small jump from 10.25 to 12 million, and then team control for all the other pitchers. Oliver Perez is an unrestricted free agent. They might try to offer him three million again to bring him back. They might try to offer him two million to bring him back. I would not be shocked to see him back. Nick Wickren was the only reliever making over a million dollars. Still has two more years of arbitration left with the Indians. Uh, Simber, I think they bring him back. Maybe try to move him. Maiton, Pletko, these are not, you know, anyone's for DFA. Class A, Karen Chalk, no. Fran Mill Reyes is still under team control as well for the rest of the 2021 season. So you're looking at a team that just in terms of money coming off the books is going to have Santana's uh, Santana cost $20.8 million. Now, some of that was with deferred money. It didn't exactly come to that at the end of the day. So let's just let's call it 16 uh, because there's a big signing bonus, not deferred money. That's my bad. It was a signing bonus with the Phillies. Uh, 6.25, so you're looking at about 22 between uh, Santana and Hernandez. Uh, you're looking at about a $2 million jump with Perez, so you're at about 20 uh, three million jump for Jose Ramirez, so now you're up to you're down to seventeen. If we assume that Francisco Lindor is gone, then you're up to roughly uh, thirty-five million off the books. The Shields, Naquin, uh, they're not going to have huge jumps. At least I can't see that. Thirty-five. Carrasco takes you down to thirty-three off the books. None of the pitchers get paid. Now I didn't mention Brad Hand. He has a $10 million uh, option. I think they pick that up and look to trade him. Uh, I think he has about a 1% chance to be on this roster as well when the next season begins. I think they feel like they were playing with house money with him. Uh, I don't think that one final game will really kill his value because it's one game and every other one was good. And The Indians in general just stunk in the postseason. But I don't think that $10 million, I think it's like Kluber, where they're going to exercise it and then immediately try to trade him. So he made $7 million last year. So we were at 35 Well, you're looking now up to $42 million off the books. Uh, Whitgren could see a jump of 2 to $3 million of that. So let's just take it down to $40 million. Uh, Simber isn't going to see a big jump. Phil Maton has a case to make a jump. So let's take it down to 39 I am also uh, awful at this in general, so uh, go ahead and make fun of me later for being completely off. But that's $39 million off the books from this year's roster to next year's roster pretty easily. Uh, and let's say they don't keep Oliver Perez, and all of a sudden you're back up to like 42. I didn't even count Sandy Leone, so that's 44. Uh, right there, right off your books. 44, close to, I mean, I'm projecting them to save at least $40 million. That's significant savings. Now, the big three guys, I believe, for to be rostered are Eli Morgan, Nolan Jones, and Gabriel Arias. Uh, or Arias. And uh, as the mad thinker pointed out to me, it's Owen Miller, not Owen Dew. Owen Dew was a kind of a sidey throwing, in my mind, uh, pitcher in the minor leagues for a while, like a D3 pick. 
who uh, who spent some time in Double A, bounced around, was one of those utility arms for a time with the Indians. You know, I can't sit back and project exactly what the team will look like right now. It's rather clear with at least my base level projecting. You know, catcher, what that's going to look like with Perez and Hedges, first base, Naylor, DH, Fran Mill. Second base, we don't know. Shortstop, we don't know. Third base, Jose Ramirez. Your outfield, uh, I'm assuming they're going to let Mercado try again. So Mercado, and then Luplo. No, not Luplo. Luplo, and uh, probably still Naquin. They do not cut bait on guys. And then your other spot could be, I mean, I, I'm hoping, I'd like to see Daniel Johnson get a look, an extended real look at, at him. I don't know. Uh, that didn't really happen this year. I'd like to see that occur. Uh, so how do they fill second base? How do they fill uh, all these positions? They don't have an internal option at shortstop unless, I mean, really the only option to take over at shortstop next year for the Indians is Owen Miller if they try to promote and play him after trade. So uh, any deal with Lindor, you got to assume, is a deal for a team that is looking, you know, maybe they can get a shortstop back in such a trade. We'll spend a lot of time talking Lindor trades this offseason because it's going to happen. Like, I'm very sure of that. Uh, but the the big question as we discuss all of this is, like, Nolan Jones, uh, they still haven't brought him up. He was that same draft class as Will Benson and Alex Kirilov that we talked about. And, you know, there are some issues with contact there. He's going to be, he's, he's going to be Russell Brannion. Uh, very likely that is the comp in terms of, you know, there are these third basemen who probably aren't going to stick there long term, maybe move to the outfield. Long, lanky guys can work account, have big time power. Uh, will walk a lot, but are going to be strikeout prone, going to have some holes to their swing. Uh, he's, yeah, I mean, Nolan Jones is Russell Brannion 2.0. The thing with Russell Brannion is he's so much more, he would have been so much more valuable now than he was when he played. You know, he's pre-Moneyball. He was before, you know, the valuation of things like on-base and power and three outcomes players were... Uh, anywhere approaching what they are now. So Nolan Jones, even if he is just Russell Brandian again, that has incredible value, and that is, uh, you know, a player who gets an opportunity to play. Uh, I think, you know, they're going to maybe try to have him go to the outfield because, again, I don't think you move Jose Ramirez. I don't think that's their approach. I don't think that's their internal thought process or talk with this. Uh, if that is where Ramirez is comfortable, he is... Shane Bieber and Jose Ramirez are the face of your franchise. You're not going to mess around with him. And he said in the past that third is where he likes to play. And I think that is, you just leave it be. So you have to figure out what to do with Nolan Jones. And that means either he moves to the outfield or he moves to first base. So you're going to have to figure out between Jones and Naylor who's ending up where. Um, or maybe Fran Mill Reyes. Maybe you're lucky enough that he can move back out to the outfield. I don't know. But those three are going to essentially be left field, first base, and DH between them by, I would guess, somewhere around midseason next year. They'll wait to promote Nolan Jones because it's going to be service time issues again. They didn't rush to promote him this year. There's no way they're going to do anything but slow play that next year. Uh, they'll bring in some scrap peep guys. We'll see if anyone can rebound. I would not be shocked in the end if Carlos Santana came back on a sweetheart deal because he's not going to have a huge market. Uh you know, just looking at 
the of course right now as I try to do this my uh, ESPN works doesn't always work on my uh, computer it's like who would even you know real quickly looking through the teams that contended the Indians would try to shop Francisco Lindor into the National League is it the Braves you talk to maybe we'll see how their postseason goes would the Marlins go crazy after their jump this year in performance possibly and the Reds are always going to be an interesting team though the Reds are going to be hurting next year after losing they're going to lose Bauer in free agency they could lose multiple other pieces they may not be looking to get 10. The Cardinals don't really buy. Would the Cubs buy? I can't see it with their infield situation. Padres, maybe. They still have a lot of their top prospects and pieces, but uh, I don't know how much more they're looking to buy. And after the year Tatis has, do you really want to mess with him? I, I don't think so. It always comes back to the Dodgers, right? And, you know, Gavin Lux played well for them this year. They still had Corey Seager playing for them, and you know who played well as well. It's not a pressing need, and that's what I guess it comes down to. It's going to be hard for the Indians to even get a Mookie Betts type of deal right now. I think that is something we're going to have to just understand and accept as Indians fans that uh, that deal probably doesn't exist. Uh, it's going to be impossible to find, and. You know, Lindor having the type of year he had, the down year, the fact that there are multiple potential starting free agents, uh, shortstops at free agent, and the fact that, you know, Lindor is going to be making probably close to $30 million and is in the final year of his contract, that all comes together to bring his value down. And I know there's going to be people out there saying, well, then you keep him. Well, I think one of those things we also have to really keep in mind is uh, after this year with the way finances were in baseball, the Cleveland Indians are probably going to look to cut contract again. There's, I would be surprised if they don't. I think they are going to be cutting salary for the what, third season in a row. And Sorry about the sound there. My cat decided to try to type something on my keyboard. Uh, but the Indians have been cutting salary you know, the previous two years, this year, they're going to cry poor again for sure. And they're going to drop the salary even more. And the question is how much. We've talked about it. It's easy to see a way where you can take $40 million off the books because uh, they don't have a lot of guys who are getting big arbitration jumps. At least when I look at the data I, data, I don't see a whole lot of that. This is the year where they have some money coming off and I don't see the accompanying jump from arbitration. That's going to happen in another year. They're going to have a bunch of big jumps after 2021 but right now it's not something they have to worry about as much uh, it also means it's a great time to try to get some extensions done i've said i think you know the well maybe after his clunker the you want to look on the bright side of life uh maybe shane Bieber shane Bieber would be more amenable maybe it's a chance to come back and offer guys like him and karen chalk uh some multi-year extensions now when you still have them cheaply for a few more years but other than that they, they don't have a ton of salary now again i know some of those guys are some of that salary is going to be cut and that's just what we have to find out and that's what i'm curious to see is what is cut what is the decision for the cleveland indians with where their salary can be next year uh and then you know what trade can they figure out for francisco lindor that makes sense like, more and more it does feel like Atlanta. You know, Atlanta went out and signed Marza, uh, signed Azuna, and he had a fantastic year, and I believe he's now a free agent at the end of this year. 
uh, and he's going to get big money from someone. They have uh, they've not been afraid to dip into that kind of rental market. You look at the one-year deal they gave Donaldson. Uh, the Indians also are kind of they often go back to teams they talk with. We know Atlanta made a made really strong offer on uh, Clevenger, and while that didn't come together, it means they've already talked about certain players. The teams already know who both sides like. They've already had their debates. Uh, so if the Indians were like, well, we're shopping Lindor, what are your thoughts? Uh, we, you know, we already like A, B, and C. And, I mean, frankly, we talked about it. If you can get Dansby Swanson, like a year ago, I was like, he's not that great. But he had a, a pretty strong season this year, WRC Plus of 116. That was actually his uh, his best season by far was this past year. And after like a 92 and an 80, now maybe it was just a small sample size. If I go and I look at his, I'm running so long tonight. This is what happens when I'm tired. I get all babbly. Yeah, his bat pip was a 350, so normally it's closer to 300. So his batting average was uh, was a bit inflated, as was some of his production. But if you can get like Swanson and then some high-end prospects from them, uh, and by high-end, more like we know how the Cleveland Indians operate, Operates. We're looking at either safe or damaged prospects. Uh, maybe for the Cleveland Indians, you're looking at someone like Kyle Wright, who was a high pick, who a lot of people loved, who at points was like a top 20 prospect in baseball, who's kind of forgotten about. A Brand, uh, Braden Shoemake, who gives them another up the middle potential player, uh, who was a first round pick, but you know generally viewed as low ceiling. Uh, trying to think who else there is, because I, I don't know if. If Drew Waters is on the table, you know, Pache probably isn't. But some of those secondary pieces, uh, maybe. Maybe there's a deal that can be figured out. Uh, just a deal is coming, and that's the sad shape of things, that Francisco Lindor has been one of the greats of this team uh, in my lifetime, and that he's going to leave Cleveland on a whimper, not a bang. And, man, a whimper was how this season ended. Uh, a lot of chances to win. A lot of chances to get to game three. And I'm just kind of disgusted as I sit here and talk about it because everything that could go wrong did. They played extremely sloppy baseball. They they just didn't look like they cared at points. And the pitching staff, which was such a strength, completely imploded. Uh, I wish I could be more positive. I wish I could tell you this, that, and the other thing. The most positive takeaway from this game was Josh Naylor. That's this whole series. I don't even think he's necessarily as good of a hitter as we saw at points in this game, uh, but you had to love the overall flair and the excitement he showed for a team that often looked listless in this playoff series. I don't know what you do, and that just what it comes down to. I don't know how you fix things. I don't know how you change the direction. If they look listless, listless now, how is that? You know, how much worse is that going to look when you trade away Lindor? And you don't keep Santana, who was your you know your four hitter all year. Whether or not he should have been there is up for debate, but whether or not he was one of their top five hitters is not up for debate. And they're going to lose, you know, two of their five best hitters without built-in options really to replace either that they're overly confident in. Uh, and if you say, well, they have Naylor, then by moving him from the outfield, then you open that position up to issues where they don't have confidence. So it's. I'm just, I don't feel, I feel very negative. (laughs) I think we all do. So I'm going to end this super long podcast. A 
deep dive edition of my sadness. Uh, if you are a Yankees fan who's listening, I hope you've enjoyed drinking my tears. If you are an Indians fan, I hope you've found at least some enjoyment in my words. I don't think there's much solace to be found. I have been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft. This has been the Lockdown Needs Podcast. Thank you all for another great season of listening, talking, interacting. Um, this season ended sadly. My interaction with all of you has been a joy, and I, I mean that. And from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank all of you for listening, rating, and reviewing, telling a friend, downloading. It, it means the world to me. Um, for the last time uh, on an Indian's evening, go Tribe.